SARPO security SOS. It seems that we have control now, so let me kick straight off by introducing your presenters for today. Uh, my name is Paul Ducklin, and I am joined by my friend, colleague, and security expert, James Birchall. Hello, James. Afternoon, Paul. And we are about to go very public, all about <laughs> privacy. And I like the sound of that title, you know, privacy, can you have too much of a good thing? Do we all go and live in a cave? Or do we all decide that there should be no more secrets and we tell everybody anything? So the three things I'd like us to try and get through in the time that we've got is I want to talk about you know, what do we mean by privacy, who decides what privacy is, and finally, how can you actually do something about it? How do you keep your privacy under control without losing some of the fun and advantage you get mm -hmm. out of the internet? Mm -hmm. So let's kick off. What do we what do we really mean? What are the aspects of the things that we talk we're talking about when we refer to online privacy yeah I, I mean i suppose there's been a a lot in the media recently around privacy lots of things spurring people to look further into that exact question and this certainly spurred me on to actually look into well okay what does this mean and what are the boundaries of it and i think it's fair i kind of sum, sum it up into two areas one would be the stuff that you know you're giving away uh, and then stuff maybe you don't know you're giving away so it could be categorized as actively posting things and then passively having things collected about you. Right, so there, there are some cases where you're obliged to give data away and it would be unreasonable for you to expect not to have to do so. For example, if you're applying for a credit card or if you want a passport, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to get a passport without revealing your name and your birthday and certain personal data about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And there's an expectation that the passport agency or whatever it is in your country will collect that data. And then you have an expectation that they'll look after that data properly. Yes, that they won't. That they won't sell it, that they won't let the wrong people see it. And most importantly, they won't let crooks come wandering in, remove your data and then put it up for sale on the mm -hmm. dark web. Mm -hmm. But then the other side is there are things that you may choose to give away entirely voluntarily if mm. you like to promote yourself mm. yeah. without thinking about what the consequences might be of making something entirely public. Yeah, definitely. I suppose that's the, the whole premise of social media, isn't it, right? And, yes. And whatever flavor you choose to, to do that with, whether it be Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or some of the older ones like MySpace, which I don't know if that's still around, um, but I'm sure if you posted something on there, it's still out there somewhere and someone could find it or someone could could use it against you. Where do the guidelines come from and what keeps the more aggressive data collectors in mm. the world, what keeps them on the straight and narrow? Well, that's a good question because then it's also about, well, what about the different types of technology um, that we see up, up and coming, which can be beneficial to us as human beings. It can even be beneficial to security services as well. So facial recognition is oh, right. Really okay. The social media is one thing. It's now absolutely. We're, now we're talking about technology that just sits there, almost passively collecting things about you, yeah. putting it in a bucket somewhere mm. that you can't control. Mm. And then at some undisclosed future time, mm -hmm. somebody says, hey, let's go looking through the number plate buckets. Yeah. Uh, let's go looking through the face picture buckets. Because how are you going to have a central body, I suppose, to govern all those different types of technology and, and whatever we decide is used tomorrow or however artificial intelligence could be used and the next greatest piece of technology, 
and also combine that with, with privacy, I think that'd be really hard to do. So maybe we need to be looking more at governments type legislation on the guidelines of the data collection, hence I suppose GDPR, right? Uh, if you would agree with that, yes, where this kind of guidelines should come from. My understanding, and um, we discussed this a little bit in, in the Monday podcast, is that the whole idea of GDPR was to harmonize attitudes to privacy across the European economic area and also to make sure that the law that came in that would affect all those countries en masse mm. was not the watered down version that was the weakest of any member state, yeah. but perhaps as strong or maybe even a little bit stronger than the companies that were taking privacy most seriously mm. so that everyone had some incentive mm. to improve. Mm. But I guess when we're talking about technology is where we're not quite sure where they're going to fit in yet. Yeah. There are guidelines, but it seems that sometimes the idea of the government fixing it all, don't you think that sometimes the government can almost be in some tension with itself? Mm. There are some parts of, for example, in the UK, there are some parts of the public service, mm. like the Information Commissioner's Office, mm. that desperately wants people to comply with GDPR and set higher standards of privacy. Mm -hmm. And there are other parts of the public service, some MPs, mm. for example, in Parliament going, you know what, we need to take the un out of unbreakable encryption. Yeah, and this is where I suppose very kind of few and far between cases where actually surveillance, if you want to call it, surveillance, I suppose, and, and that, that maybe breach of privacy has actually been proven to maybe stop a serious incident yeah. or where it can then actually be proven that, okay, actually surveillance and maybe being slightly invasive on privacy is seen as like the shining knight at that moment in time. But quite often it is portrayed as the, the, the nasty dragon, right? I'm getting all games of Game of Thrones here, aren't I, with my analogies? But, you know, people often say, well, no, but privacy, absolutely, I don't want anyone looking at anything I'm doing online. But if there's a chance it could be used in a way, like you're saying, and it's very well protected, and it could stop a serious incident, and profiling someone's behavior and identifying that before they commit an atrocity, then surely that's a really, really good thing. Um, but I know this, that's a much kind of deeper debate, especially when we're looking at the kind of political aspect of it as well. It sounds as though if we're not careful as a digital community, that we might end up with guidelines that are at one extreme or another. You know, if you ask privacy commissioners throughout the European Union at the moment, I'm sure they'd all be absolutely passionate about the idea that in an ideal world, companies would collect nothing about us or collect it only temporarily and then actively scrub it so that it wasn't there. But I'm sure if you went to the law enforcement agency, they'd say, you know what, we'd actually like that data to be hanging around for a little bit longer mm -hmm. just in case we need it. Actually, the ball is in our court mm -hmm. to make it clear to our respective governments and public servants mm -hmm where we think that line lies. Yeah, and I think GDPR has actually given you know, me as a consumer that extra little bit of power, right, to kind of define what data I want to be collected on me and at any point for a company to be transparent. And they have to be transparent about how they're using my data, you know, rights to be forgotten and everything else like that as well. So it's certainly not a silver bullet, the you know, GDPR. And I think you, know, you talked to Vince about that the other day but it, it's a step in the right direction. The other thing, just going off this idea as well about technology, how aggressive and innovative IT and technology is, is also the world of IoT. If you think about the fact that <laughs> cameras are now literally everywhere and all around us, and we talked about facial recognition, 
if the person who implemented that camera hasn't actually put that protection in place and they're just broadcasting it over HTTP for literally anyone in the world to kind of come in and snoop on, that's a potential invasion of your privacy, but at no fault of your own. So where, the, where are the guidelines also around that other kind of up and coming pieces of technology? I think there's a that as far as this Internet of Things is concerned, by which I understand really to mean very small and probably quite inexpensive computers or computing devices that a few years ago you could only connect to the Internet by plugging them with a cable into your own laptop or your own computer. Now they're themselves online, they're connecting to your Wi-Fi, they're uploading stuff to a cloud service. And instead of synchronizing the photos from the device to your laptop, for example, the photos go from the device to somebody else's server and you log in with an account and download them later. There's an awful lot that can go wrong there. Yeah, absolutely. And it does seem that because so many of these devices are built down to a price, mm. that security comes so low down on the list or even doesn't get on there at all. I suppose there could be some regulations. US Congress is trying to get something on the books now that says, well, you, you must be at least this tall to go on the ride. So some basic standards that you have to follow if you want to sell to the government. But for the rest of us, it is very much down to us, isn't it? We have to vote with our checkbooks or our credit cards or yep. our NFC-enabled phone payment systems yep. by preferring devices, even if they're slightly more expensive, mm. where we can see that the vendor appears to be taking security seriously. Absolutely. And going back very quickly just that, that freemium model as well and the fact that attitudes towards just well if I want an app I can go on to the Play Store, iTunes, other stores are available and you download it and you just get it and that attitude I suppose needs to kind of change in the fact that either people need to look at first of all what actually am I giving away for this i.e what data am I giving away just to access this application and do I even really need it kind of thinking about that kind of behavior. So what you're saying is that one of the things that we really ought to do is, particularly in Europe, where GDPR has given us the right and the companies we deal with the necessity mm. of asking for very explicit permission to gather stuff. There are two bad things that can come out of that if we're collectively not careful. Mm. One is that we just get we go, oh, great, they're supposed to ask and I'm supposed to click the button. Yeah. And the second is that although companies may now collect less data about us, they have it for a much more targeted purpose, mm. then it's going to be in their interest to use it more aggressively. So maybe in the past we go, oh, they'll never get around to using that. And it sat in a cupboard somewhere. We just hope nobody found where the cupboard was. Mm. Now we may be giving away less, but we may be giving away permission for more to be done with that for longer. Yeah. And that's how, do, how do you learn what that balance is? Or do we just rely on the regulator steaming in and making sure everyone does what society wants? Yeah. And that's, I guess, the thing, isn't it? Society and culture kind of changes with that behavior. But time and time again, I suppose human beings need to be burnt a few times before we realize that, you know, the best approach kind of to this. When you were just talking then about, you know, yes, you know, you've got, got these cookies, how do you want to treat them? And the behavior there, you're right, most people will just go, yes, okay, yes, okay, yes, okay. It's very much in the old days when people used to have client firewalls and they, you put them in a training mode for user base. But of course, most users would have no idea actually what they're being asked to do. You know, do you want to allow this traffic on this port? And most people just go, yes, fine, allow it. Not really knowing what the damages were there with that or, you know, the implications of just accepting yes. 
you have a training period during which even though you might not get malware, you nevertheless train your security software to accept weak behaviors, which it then does forever. Exactly, yeah. There's a central flaw in our culture and our behaviors. So is this something that we should expect regulators to be able to fix? You know, we, we've seen a lot of fuss over this, over so-called fake news recently. Mm-hmm. Are we expected to have what you might call a clean feed of other people's opinions? Mm. Or do we actually need to learn some critical assessment skills ourselves? Yeah, I, I would, whether it's naive or not, like to think that eventually we will get there. And it's just from a case of like you're saying about education, about understanding. I think where we've got to is at least you and I agree, hopefully at least some of our listeners agree as well, that we're in a position where governments around the world can take a lead on making privacy better. Particularly, we've seen this in Europe with GDPR, Mm -hmm. where the idea is we have a regulation that's a little bit of an effort for everybody, even in the most privacy-friendly countries Mm -hmm. already, uh, where there's there's more to be done. And the idea is everybody is supposed to get a little bit better. But that includes us as consumers deciding how we want to play by these new rules. Mm. So it's kind of a lot of it is down to us. Mm. You can always choose to publish all of your photos to the entire world if you want. Nobody can really prevent you doing that if you're determined to do so. So let's go on to the last of our three points. James's three top tips. (laughs) Assume that there are rules. Assume, perhaps unrealistically, that all vendors out there are playing by those rules. That still leaves you a lot of liberty to make giant mistakes on your own behalf. Yes. What are the three things that you can do to help to keep your privacy under control? Do you want me to give the quick, quick fire three first? Do it that way? Well, I'm going to grill you in detail. <laughs> okay. You, so you have certain privacy rights, but not in this podcast. <laughs> not today. You're going to be made forced to make your opinions public. All right. <laughs> so first, I suppose I would say look yourself up. Absolutely. Yeah. Then look after your keys, and then make sure you look before you leap as well. So okay. So ones. when you say look yourself up, mm-hmm. are you suggesting that we all get a little bit Google vain? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. We go, oh, Paul Ducklin, let's see how cool I look on that. <laughs> Absolutely. And it sounds daft, I know, but be a little bit vain on that um, because you might also uncover things, not just the obvious pictures, which you, you might see on an image search, which you didn't realize but were posted online, but you might stumble across old accounts as well, which you completely forgot you had. So, you know, things like old email accounts, um, which I'm sure in our time, I know I have certainly signed up for multiple email accounts, going, oh, that's horrible, I don't like that interface. But if you still <laughs> got it, you're desperately why? trying not to say the Yahoo. I was, I was trying to avoid it, yeah. If you can find them, then you know that anyone else can, who may have your best interests at heart and genuinely want to contact you, but the crooks can as well. Yeah. And if you've got a MySpace account from years and years ago, you probably created a password that fitted what we thought was good enough for a password five years ago. And if you haven't changed it for all that time, mm. who knows who's masquerading as you? So you're not being vain, you're just making <laughs> sure where you sit publicly on the yeah. internet. And it's, it's also just like that, a great thing to educate. So we all maybe have people we know who are serial Facebookers or serial social people on, on all these different kind of sites. 
and if you're concerned about how much and the type of material they are posting, it's also a great education point. You can see, do you realize that you can see all of these pictures and we've got all of this information just from doing a search about you. It could lead you to some difficult conversations with family and friends, <laughs> couldn't it? But do, yeah. it, if they genuinely don't know that this matters to you, then change their behaviors. Yeah. Okay, your second point was the idea of, I guess, looking after the keys to your own digital lifestyle. Yes. What What's your specific advice in that sector? I would say forget passwords, um, pass phrases. Instantly add more complexity to you know protecting your digital life. Uh, also, where possible, anything that offers multi-factor authentication, you know, bite their hand off and use that. Absolutely. So that's where you get the, the, the one-time code to your phone or you mm -hmm. have an app that generates a sequence of numbers. Yep. It's not perfect, but it does mean if you have an old account with an old password or if, if a password gets compromised somehow, yeah. it's not enough for the crooks to steam in just knowing that password. Exactly. So you might as well make it as hard as possible. Yeah, yeah. And I have certainly woken up many a morning and uh, you, know, you get the notifications of, well, look, I'm afraid, you know, this uh, certain organization have potentially had a data breach and your credentials, you might want to go change that passphrase, which I have done. But because I've had multi-factor authentication enabled, I you're wasn't little, as concerned. Yeah, you're a little bit, you still change your password, oh, but you think it's comparatively unlikely that somebody tried to log in. Yeah. And if they did, I'd probably have got a notification. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when it comes to picking proper passwords, mm -hmm. where do you stand on password managers? Love them. Love them. Save me so much time. That's <laughs> right. And it's so difficult, isn't it? I mean, the amount of websites you have to create an account for these days. It's, I think, a near and impossible task to, to, to have different passphrases in all of those different sites with, with good strength as well. So uh, a password manager, I, there are plenty out there. Some actually put your passwords in the cloud so they can be synced with other devices. Yeah. Some put encrypted passwords in the cloud. Some yep. store them locally. There's, there's something for everyone there, isn't there? Yeah, and a good password manager also does raise the bar against phishing, doesn't it? Because if you get suckered into going to the wrong site mm. and you go to your password manager and say okay put in my banking password your password manager will go i don't have a banking password for that site it's not a banking yeah. site it'll kind mm -hmm. of protect you from yourself yeah that's that's a good good suggestion yeah. so that means that what we're saying is that you're accepting a little bit less convenience for example with 2fa it's a little mm -hmm. bit harder but in return for making things a lot more difficult for the crooks yes and lastly you talked about look before you leap. I guess that's what in uh, Cybersecurity Awareness Month in the US, they have a nice little slogan, stop, full stop, think, full stop, <laughs> connect. Yep. Is that where you're going? Absolutely. So if you do decide to promote yourself online in any way, shape or form, just stop and think, okay, before I submit this data, do I want to? And also as well, is it going to damage you know, anyone else's reputation? Or is it you know, anyone else who might be in that picture, for example? Maybe just notify them first and say, hey, are you happy for me to post this? You might keep your relationships with your friends for a bit longer. James, we're getting the signal that we need to finish off. Just to reiterate very quickly, James's three top tips, look yourself up, yeah. look after the keys to your online digital lifestyle, and look before you leap. Very, very simply put, if in doubt, don't give it out. Yeah, that's great.